Gorilla Healer presents Farms Not Farms podcast, season two, sponsored by buildthesoil.com. Hey, fellas. Brian, for your audio to get turned on. Hopefully, Brian has good service where he is. How you doing, Darren? I'm doing awesome, Brent. How are you? Uh, hey, Brent. Really well. Hey, Brian. Uh, there you are. Uh, How you doing, you, man? I'm well, thank you. This is, um, this is a really great moment. Yes, it is. Great. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> what up, B? It's happening. Good to see you, How guys. Are you? Thank you, guys, for your time. My pleasure. And uh, we'll just get right into it. So welcome to the Farms Not Farms podcast. I'm here today with two very special guests. And, you know, quite often I bring people onto this show in order to share, in, in order to open a window into the life of a luminary, the life of somebody who's doing great things in our world or who's doing things in our world who has done things in our world that I think are worth learning about, right? And we can make our own, you know, opinions or assumptions based off of what we're learning about who they are, what they're doing. In this particular episode, I, I think it's, it's, it's really special because we have somebody on here who, uh, who got brought to me, so to speak, referred to me looking for help and uh, needing, needing options in terms of their, their health. And then somebody else who got brought to me, referred to me by, uh, by somebody in the, in, the, in the caring realm who said, this man can help people if you ever uh, know anybody who needs help. And so in that and this miraculous window, creator, is revealed through action. And, and so this is kind of a miracle episode where we get to have a group conversation with um, just showing a little bit of reality. And so first and foremost, we can just introduce ourselves real quick before I get into some questions. Um, and, uh, you know, Let's just uh, start. Brian, do you want to introduce yourself first? And then, uh, Darren, you can introduce yourself, and then we'll, we'll get right into it. Uh, yeah, how are you doing? Uh, my name is Brian. I live uh, in Rhode Island, and uh, this is what I do. I work with cannabis, and I help people. And Darren is, was brought to me to help him by you. And... Uh, that's pretty much where we, where we went from there. Okay, so what have you been doing in the cannabis? What's, what's your experience in the cannabis world? Just to, as a quick introduction to who you are and what you've been doing. Um, well, I, I learned, I started out growing and then um, I started making animals. And uh, I, just, I just was making uh, cannabis oil for people, you know, just friends that was referred to me through other people. Um, and I, I've just been making so much of it over the years. And then I stopped doing it for a while. I moved up to Maine for a little while to uh, get a, an edibles company going for someone. But um, I, we had to move back 
some uh, personal reasons with family. So we're back in Rhode Island and we're doing our thing again. We're helping people. Uh, I just made a fresh batch of, uh, of cannabis oil for some people and uh, going to get that out to them. Darren, again, being one of them, he had just asked me recently for another tube. So, uh, yeah, we got that for you, buddy. Uh-huh. Uh, whatever you need. I don't know. I haven't <clears throat> waited yet, but uh, we, we got whatever you need. We probably got maybe 50, 60 grams. So. Wow. We got, and we just got another donation from uh, somebody who always gives me all their trim. <clears throat> every uh, every run they give it to me so I'm able to make some you know they don't want uh, they don't want any back or anything they just here you go go help people so mm-hmm. that's what I that's what I've been doing it's amazing you know that's how Gorilla Healer started just by giving out oil for years and not ever even accepting a penny from anybody and exactly. just running this emergency relief fund and um, you know it's 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 not it's not the easiest thing to do, you know, and it's it's it really is um, a service dependent on upon the community to contribute to that fund so that good people who are otherwise out of options can 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 perhaps find some relief. Or work. And the so, person who, oh, sorry, please. The, the, the person who donates it actually has MS. And they don't even, they, they can't use it. They, it, it destroys them. They've got other, they, they do other forms of cannabis to help them. So, uh, but yeah, she just, just, you know, go help people. Here you go. So I just want right, to throw right. that. And by destroys them, you mean she just gets way too knocked out from the oil? Yeah. Yeah. She just gets, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she gets way too high. So um, she, vapes, it's, she vapes, it's a little easier for her. That's good. You know, everybody's different. The, the safe access allows us to find out what options work best for us. Right. Two twins with the same issue could need a different treatment. So it's important in that way that we, you know, have um, access to, uh, to, to, to these options. You know, you, somebody might need um, a different strain in the morning that you might need in the afternoon that you might need at night. And so even in that way, you know, so many people in the world don't have any access at all to any cannabis, let alone cannabis oil. And so, you know, many of us are, are blessed in any sense to have it at all. So thank you for doing your part in that way, in this way. And, um, you know, being such a su- such a light that that I wanted to bring you on the show to, to show some of the work that you've done. Darren, if you'd be so kind to introduce yourself real quick so that people can get a, a glimpse of who you are and... Uh, yeah, no doubt. So uh, first, before I introduce myself, I want to thank you and Brian, two, um, two people that are instrumental and very important in my life. I love the both you guys. Okay. I mean, uh, you, you really, uh, I need to get that right out of the way first and foremost. Um, my, name is Darren, my name is Darren uh, XL Beast, aka XL the Beast. I'm a musician, singer, songwriter, actor, father of three, and I'm a sober guy which is a really important element to this entire um, process. Um, uh, I'm from Massachusetts and um, I've been under your direction and Brian's direction receiving care for uh, ailments for the last, geez, what is it, four years now? Four or five years, yeah. yeah probably longer than that. Yeah, maybe, they might be going on six. Like, well, I actually, yeah. when I met you, your daughters were like six months old. Oh my God! It's been seven. Oh, so it's been yeah, six is almost six and a half years. Yeah, 
seven years, almost seven years, yeah. Wow, Jesus. Time waits for no one. It's been right. a blur, you know? I have twins, so, like, there's a thing called twin brain, and when you have twins, you, you lose whole segments of your life. <laughs> um, and it's, it's without a doubt, I mean, you know, Brian's been around. Brian and I are family at this point, you know what I mean? We're obviously more than dear friends, we're family, and uh, we're, we're super connected, and he, and he knows my children and, you know, my family. He knows everybody. So love it. You know, you know. Well, shout out to Mr. DL for doing the work. Yes. I was connected. Yes. Without a doubt. Love Mr. DL. Mr. DL. That's my man right there. He's a very hardworking guy. And he's a very centered person when it, and when it comes to um, caring for people and looking out for people, he, he always shows up. You know, and, he's you know definitely uh, somebody who, um, who I enjoy as well as, you know, aside from being a good person, he, he's in the music realm, which is oh, how he's great. Right. And he also he's, loves cannabis, you know, probably does, much, yeah. if not, I don't know if it's possible to love it more, but we love cannabis. <laughs> and so we enjoy that in each other. And um, <laughs> and so that's, you know, of course we love Cypress Hill too. So we'll just put that out there. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Who doesn't love Cypress Hill? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, you know, without further ado, Darren, if you, if you would be so kind to maybe open up a window into what you were experiencing, perhaps even the ailment you were suffering from, or that, that, you know, um, that, that created the need for you to look for options that you weren't finding. Right. So, um, what ultimately led me to, you know, to get help was I was suffering from, um, I, I had a really bad bout of diverticulitis, which had ended me, uh, ended up in the hospital with a perforated intestine. I was really sick. Before that, leading up to that, I had gone through years of, um, of, of like these undiagnosed health issues that ultimately came from a, like a toxic shock, so to speak, from working in an unhealthy um, landfill. And it, it kind of changed my body on a molecular level. And I developed allergies that, I, that, I, that didn't show readily. I had tons of health issues. And then it finally, it dissipated, but it ended up manifesting in the form of diverticulitis. The allergies created these pockets in my intestine and I was in severe pain. Um, it happened, I got it once really bad. I was in the hospital, I had no idea what was wrong with me. And then it went, it went, it happened again, like another eight months later. And I was really, really sick. Um, there was literally, there were just moments where the fever and the shock and the toxic shock of it all, uh, when I was in that hospital bed, the, the two times I was in the hospital with it, I, I thought I was going to die. And when I came out, I needed to have a different approach to it because I, I, I knew that I had to change like my eating and find out about allergies, but there was still significant amounts, amounts of pain. Um, even when I changed my diet, I was in tremendous amounts of pain. I couldn't eat and I didn't want to take pain pills. Um, my digestive tract was all messed up. So that was, that was where I was. I was, was in a really bad place. I was, I was a lot heavier than I am now. Um, but my, I was, I was constant pain and I couldn't eat anything. And I was always afraid of getting the diverticulitis. And um, that was when Mr. DL reached out to me, who then put me in touch with you, Brent, and then um, through the network, put me in touch with Brian. And um, 
that that those that was the ailment that I was truly truly suffering with. It was just abdominal pain and just it was it was like un I could do nothing right. I couldn't work. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't function. I mean, I was you know I was a, a a father that that couldn't really do much to help his wife and kids. You know what I mean? So I was my I thought I was gonna die. I was ready to die. My life was so um, so destroyed by what had happened to me that it was just um, I could understand how people wanted to die quick and get it over with. You know what I mean? So that's pretty that's loud, you know. It loud in the sense that knowing, you know, seeing how how vocal you are about how much you love your family. Yeah. And to know <laughs> that you could be brought, inspired by pain, by such agony that, you know, you'd be willing to accept death. That, that, that's, um, that's profound. You know? I have a high tolerance for pain, too. So, um, I mean, it's like abnormal. And um, so that, that'll let you know, like, I have a, a, an extremely high threshold. So the pain that I was in was so severe and it was so prolonged over such a period of time. I'm talking years, right? Um, with minor respites in the, in the mid, middle of it here and there that, it, yeah, it's just kind of like, I'm like, I don't even care. I, I can't even deal with this anymore. Cause you know, the doctors just, they just want to open you up and cut a part of you out or give you meds. And that was just, it's not working. You know what I mean? This is not, this is not I'm not doing that. Was it identified back then? Or was it, is it, is it just something that is the math in your mind that says that this stems from the working at the land trade? Well, no, it, it definitely does. It, the, the, the reason why is that I, de, you de, I developed diverticulitis at a young age. It's not common for some of my age to get it. Okay. And the reason was, was because that landfill, it shocked my body. And it changed me on a cellular and molecular level in ways that I developed allergies to foods and to certain things that I had never had before, but they didn't, they didn't show like, if you have an allergy to something, you swell up or you get itchy or your throat gets itchy. These were internal. So I was eating foods and, you know, drinking things that I shouldn't have been drinking or eating. And they were just grenades going off in my intestine, in my stomach. And it would just, it would, it would show itself as an upset stomach. So my clue was like, okay, I'm just, I can't have dairy anymore. I had no idea that I was allergic to peanuts and peanut butter and, you know, all these like salads and these raw fruits and vegetables. And, you know, and then they started to progress and get worse. But by the time I recognized that they were allergies, the damage had already been done. And growing up, were you allergic to peanuts and these other raw fruits? No, no, no. And I never, I never had, um, I never had allergies. I never had any of that stuff. I, I, was, I was a healthy, healthy, strong kid, and and um, boom, like mid mid to late thirties, bang, it just it just went, you know. And in the initial stages before the diverticulitis, I spent like two years in limbo. I I, I lost like 118 pounds. I couldn't eat. I was bloating all the time. I was in and out of the hospitals. They had me swallowing radioactive eggs and taking all these things, and they couldn't. They knew something was wrong, but they couldn't pinpoint what it was. Okay. And it went on like that for two years and then it went abated and then it came back in the form of diverticulitis. And that was kind of when we were able to kind of backtrack and piece together what had happened. Mm. Yeah. So did you try a myriad of treatments that weren't working for you or yeah. what? Yes. Nothing was working. And um, 
it just kind of um I was subsist I was like I was subsisting on like yogurt and crackers and um you know chicken like just dried chicken um just, you know dry eggs toast um, whatever you could and try like, and keep down well whatever wouldn't cause me pain right okay. like my stomach would distend and bloat that, and then when that, that kind of like started to it was marginalized a bit and I found a way to kind of navigate around it eating certain foods. But then when the diverticulitis hit, we had no idea. I'm like, well, here's that pain again. You know, am I going to go through this whole thing that we just lived through for the last two and a half years of my life where I thought I was going to die. And then the, the diverticulitis came like you have diverticulitis and they explained it to me like, why do I have that? You know? And they're like, well, it develops usually in people in their sixties, seventies, eighties, not 30. So um, after that, the treatments for the diverticulitis was just basically like, okay, don't eat any, you know, um, veggies raw. Don't eat any, you know, um, anything that can irritate your intestines or your stomach. And I was like, okay, so I did that, but then I, it happened again. And they're like, well, this is like a really a bad section of your intestine. We're just going to have to probably cut it out. And I was like, what? I'm like, you want to, What? They go like, going to give you a colostomy bag. And then the other surgeon came in. He goes, listen, it's a 50-50 shot. If I were you, I wouldn't do it. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, I wouldn't do it. He's like, I'd find an alternative method to try to heal your body. You know, and that was. Good for him. Like, yeah, he was, he was honest. He was honest. And it was, it's like the position after I started taking the RSO, I had a bout of it again. I, and I took, when I took the RSO, and they diagnosed it because at that point I knew what it was. And I went and I go, I have diverticulitis. And they're like, okay. And then they, they so they gave me uh, antibiotics to kill any infection. If there was a, you know, a leak in your intestine, if it's perforated, you'll get septic and die. So they gave me that to treat it. But I started, was taking the RSO and it healed it in half the time that it had healed it prior. And then I haven't had it since. Mm. So, Three um, at what point from the time where um, my friend introduced me to Brian and I introduced you guys to the point where you began feeling relief, like how how you you were dealing with this pain and and in and out of the hospital and whatnot for two for over two years, you said. And yeah. then you meet Brian and and get get some oil. How long after that did you start uh, feeling different? Within, I would say there was steady improvement within I think 60, 30 to sixty days. It, it was within two weeks. I started noticing um, a feeling, not just about the the uh, abdomen pain abating, but I felt my body started to feel different on a whole, right? Like, so this whole time I had felt like I was operating in a deficit of like, um, like a breakdown of my whole system, right? I felt like my immune system had been compromised. I felt like my body wasn't regenerating, that I couldn't get good rest, that I couldn't do anything. The, um, within the first two to three weeks, I started seeing um, positive results. And I would say within 60 days, I had no more, no more pain in my abdomen. 
And that was when you and I actually had a conversation as well, right around this time. It was when you and I were talking about the keys of diet and things that I might want to try alternatively to improve my gut health and my overall energy in my body. And I was like, yeah. And I, and I started following some of those cues and I went down a rabbit hole of finding out like my body type and what's best for me to eat. And then we had a clear outline of what I was allergic to and what I wasn't. And um, so, yeah, I mean, within like a month, a month and a half, like it was, it was, it was all good. Um, and then I had one more bout of it. Like, I want to say like, I think it was six, six months or eight months later. Right, Brian? I think that was when it was. And Something then, like that. Yeah. And then, and then that was when I went into the hospital and then, I, and then when I got out, I was taking the RSO. I took it like aggressively, right? Like twice a day. Yep. And then when I went back, that was when I had a, a, a woman doctor came in and she said, um, you're healed. Like it's healed. She's like, I, I was not expecting it to be healed. She goes, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I changed my diet. Like I gave up sugar. Um, I gave up this and that. I've increased my water intake. I'm exercising and I'm taking Ricky Simpson oil, you know, RSO oil. And she looked at me and she said, listen, this is verbatim. She says, um, I don't have the right to really prescribe or talk about that. And she's like, and I am not going to say anything on the record. She's like, but whatever you're doing with that oil, she's like, keep doing it because it's working, right? She says, I can't put it in my journal and I can't tell you, or, you know, she's like, we're not allowed to, to talk like that working in this hospital. She goes, but I have heard of it. I have seen it. I have read studies on it. And she's like, it's quite obvious that this element and the change in your life has allowed your body to convalesce at a rapid rate. And I haven't, and I haven't had, and that was, yeah, that was, that was probably five years ago, right? Four or five years, I haven't had I haven't had diverticulitis since. Uh, you, you look great. I have to be honest with you. you Thank know? you. Yeah, yeah, right. much better, right? I mean, it's a vast improvement. Even like your skin's glowing. You look you look healthy. You know, it's, it's yeah. It's, it's no, really thank you. It's it's true. It's 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 an it's an entire um, it's an entire change. My 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 everything. And I want to tell you something, too, that is really kind of connected to all of this. When you're sick and you're suffering from anything, like it consumes so much of your energy, you can't focus on anything else. You can't focus on mental growth, spiritual growth, physical growth, uh, accountability. You can't do any inventory on yourself. You can't do anything of that because whatever it is that has you crippled that way controls you and leads you around it it controls every aspect of your life and and um i have to tell you something over the last four, three or four years because i've been pain-free and i haven't had to deal with this constant feeling of pain and, and feeling like i want to die i have been able to expand in parts of my life um and have awakenings and things happen to me that I, I didn't ever think were possible, especially then. Like my entire life and its trajectory has changed as a direct result of being pain-free and being in a healthier uh, physical and mental state. 
that makes sense to me. You know, having the ability to have a stable, more of a stable foundation enables, you know, it, it is a great breeding ground for growth. You know, it is. It is. It's the truth. To, to have roots really get, you know, solid uh, planted and then, you know, really um, blossom in new ways, you know. And, and I, I've seen it time and time again where those of us, you know, who are experiencing dis-ease are, are being fed information. Just do this and just do this and think this way and think that way. And yeah. the intrinsic, you know, uh, relationship of being at a disease tends to be that we're, we're, um, we're not at ease <laughs> and we're being consumed. We're, we're, we're consuming ourselves with, um, with, with something that's, that's, that's not good for us. And that doesn't mean that everybody who's sick is unhappy or everybody who's sick is, is obsessively compulsive over, over their sickness. Um, you know, everybody's different. And some, some of some people who are sick are very happy and just want to not be sick, you know? Um, yeah. For you, what, what, was, what was the catalyst for change? It sounds like, uh, yeah, let, 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 I'll let you tell the story. What was the catalyst for change? And then what, what was the, the sustaining factors? You know, you were saying that you had some, uh, some relapses, so to speak, of the pain coming back, the diverticulitis um, being inflamed again. Do you think that that might have been because of just an anomaly? Do you think you might have started getting complacent with your diet or not taking oil or any of these things? Yeah, that- no, no, no. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Th- those, um, I remember specifically when I got, when I did it, because I wasn't, um, so it's an adjustment period, right? Like catalyst for me to be healthy and to, to you know, to want to enact change in my life was once I got a taste of living a life with no pain, uh, you know, and remembering, because it had been so long that I had lived with pain every day for years, that you kind of fall into this malaise, and you kind of forget what quality of life is like, you know, you don't give up, but you just kind of like, you try and try and fail and fail and fail, and you just you get beat down. So um, I was worn to a nub, but when I had a glimpse of having a life where I could have health, and I could have you know, enjoy the benefits of, you know, having the freedom to operate in my life like everybody else is operating theirs and then having children, you know, I, I, my son and my, you know, my girls, my, my wife was pregnant, you know, my, my, my son was growing and I wanted to be active and I wanted to, there was so much I wanted to do. Um, that was it. When I got, when I actually, when I got sick that time, it was right before I, I had just landed a, a, a role in a major motion picture and I was working, I was eating horribly, um, my weight was like fluctuating and going in the wrong direction, I was not getting adequate rest, I was not hydrating, and I was, I was trying to do way too much, not for small spurts, but all the time, right? I was overdoing it in every arena, and it, and it broke me down, and I remember, because it almost cost me the opportunity to be in the film. Like I was in, the, I, I ended up in the hospital like two weeks. Was it two or three weeks, Brian? Because you came and saw me. It was before I went and did Black Mass and I was in Norwood. Right, right. Yeah, and you came in and you saw me. Yeah. And um, yep. I remember because I grew my hair and my beard all out. Yeah, yep. like a wild I, man, you remember? Yeah. 
Yep, so yep. I, I was, I, so I was in the hospital, and, and I rapidly needed to heal. And that was when, when we, that was you, Brian. You told me, you said, listen, take it twice a day, every day. Eat your correct diet. You know, get some rest for the first few days so it can heal, and then try to get up and move around a little bit. And I did that. And I remember I was eating farina, <clears throat> excuse me, just plain farina with a little honey in it, and uh, and it was, and it healed. But that was that was why, Brent, because I, I wasn't. I wasn't following my own protocols, the things that, you know, that we had all discussed, you know, a good healthy plan for my living and to keep myself healthy. I just, I was overwhelmed with life. Right. And it's normal, right. You come out of a spot where you're like, you've kind of been cooped up for two or three years. You kind of come out like right out of the can and you're like, woo, let's go. You know what I mean? And I can do everything, you know, it's ego and, you know, and fear of not being, being able to have those opportunities again, I overdid it. You know, I don't do that anymore. I, I don't do I don't do that stuff anymore. I, I kind of like you know, I have to put my health and care, physical and mental care, has to be first. You know what I mean? And and it's um, it could well listen. For a long time, I didn't believe in myself at all. I walked around and projected a really loud, negative, aggressive attitude. And it was because I was a very insecure person. And that, when you live that kind of way and that kind of life, um, and try to keep people at a distance because you're, uh, you're scared that they're going to find out that you're scared, you have a tendency to have no medium button. You're either off or all the way on. And, <laughs> and then when you get sick or something happens, I'm like, oh, this must be God punishing me. It's all this big dramatic thing when in actuality it's taking care of yourself, you know, mentally and physically. And, and, and um, <laughs> so I respect the limits of my, my physical and mental and spiritual limits now. And I make sure that I don't exhaust or bankrupt any of them. And I kind of stay on this balance now where I am able to do things in a healthy way and maintain that balance as best I can do everything that I do, you know? So that's, that's the truth of it. You know? What are some of the major dietary shifts that you've made? Oh, well, um, no dairy, just cut out dairy completely for me because I'm lactose intolerant, even though, oh God, like, uh, ugh, so no dairy, no butter, no fried foods, um, um, no really fatty meats or anything like that. Um, I had to start eating. I, I, I have allergies. This is my problem too. I have allergies to fruits and vegetables. So they make my throat and my, my, my throat and my gums swell. Um, so I can't eat raw. And because of the diverticulitis now, I can't have raw rough. I can't have roughage because it'll exacerbate the diverticulum and it will cause a flare up. Um, so those, those things are gone. So, you know, um, no, you know, I had to in increase my water and my sources of protein and alternative means of fiber. So I, you know, my life now basically consists of, you know, um, I'll have a cheat day once a week because it's, it's healthy to do that for my body. And like, you know, it's okay. I love, I like a hamburger, you know, I, I like a cheeseburger. I, you know, I will have three slices of bacon you know, once or twice a month, you know, 
I cooked them in the microwave with the with the with the um with the paper so that it soaks out all the grease. But like, but I can't eat like Alfredo sauce, right? Like if I eat Alfredo sauce, I am just that's I'm dead, right? Um, once a month or once every two or three months, I'll take the family to Santapio's to get a pizza. You know what I mean? And it's just so good. I'll be like, all right, I've got 45 minutes to get home. You know what I mean? And and you know we're gonna be all right, but. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I drink, I drink a uh, vegetable based protein, a shake. I do that. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's an organic brand that I use. Um, I have, I eat a lot of egg whites and garlic. I use all olive oil. I don't use any butter. Um, so, you know, I, I eat, you know, I get up in the morning, I have an eight ounce shake and I have, uh, you know, like two cups of egg whites cooked in garlic and olive oil every three or four hours. I'll have another shake. Uh, and I'll have some clean protein. I'll have uh, shrimp, fish. I'll have some chicken. I don't eat a ton of red meat. I'll have red meat twice a month. Um, what I really miss is salad. Uh, I, I would, I would just, you don't know. I would give up everything. I would give up pizza, steak, whatever, um, if I could just eat salad. I grew up eating salad, right? Like we ate salad. There was always a salad on my table. But those things, I gave those up. I don't drink soda. Um, you know, if I'm really tired, like if, if I've worked, like, um, if like, like last night I, I, I had to work, I had to do like double duty. I had to work and then I had a, uh, and it was in the studio really late. So it was really tired. So I had a coffee with sugar in it. I'll put, you know, a couple scoops of cane sugar in it, but mostly I drink my coffee black. Um, no soda, no diet soda. I stay away from the aspartame, stuff like that. I'm not a big candy guy anyway. So, uh, I don't really care about that stuff. But sugar and uh, lots of carbs, that's all, all that stuff's all gone. And I, I just, I don't eat it, you know? Fair enough. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, in life, from, from what I've seen, making baby step changes is how we lead to, um, to, you know, seeing real growth. And so, obviously, it's working. Here you are, you know, many years later, you know, shining uh, a lot brighter. And thanks to you two, thanks <laughs> to you two saving my life. Unbelievable. Just like, how, how can somebody express gratitude like on that level? I mean, really, like literally the both of you saved my life, right? Like you saved it. Like I didn't have a life worth, like I felt worth living. It was, I was in constant pain. I hated the thought of getting up every day. And but this whole network started with Mr. DL and you, Brett, and then Brian. It changed. <clears throat> it didn't just deal with that one situation. That was a catalyst for me to change the rest of my life. So you're all interwoven and, and connected to all of that. Well, shout out to Thousand Watts Magazine. They definitely care and uh, about about people. And um, you know, I just want to say that um, you know. Um, loud and clear and uh, also want to say and you know Brian may have his own things to say though you know you say how do you how do you thank us I would say just thank God you know because like that that's how we have this plant that's how we have any sort of uh, of, of life at all you know creator gives us life so in that way I'm grateful that we get to get to exist and 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 and, and, uh, and do this work you know it's kind of amazing that People are in jail. People are being put to death all over the world. People are in jail for this point. And we're here talking about how it saved your life. So, you know, it's crazy you. to me. 
it's crazy to me, but they'll let, <clears throat> you know, but, the, you know, they'll manufacture, you know, um, you know, alcohol and pills. And those people is, you know, driving Bentleys and flying on private jets, you know what I mean? But somebody want to grow a plant in their yard to help themselves and they, they, they kill them for it or put them in prison. Uh, right. It's archaic, right? <clears throat> it's really archaic way of thinking. It's antiquated, you know, I mean, it, 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 it oh my God. Ugh. Frustrating, man. It's so, it's, it's ignorant. It's ignorant, right? It is very. Yeah, they say that if we, if we don't know, then we're naive. If we know and we choose to do it anyway, we're, we're willfully ignorant. And, and the U.S. government has known, um, you know, patent 6630507. You can look it up. The medical benefit of cannabis is known by the U.S. government. They patented it. So the Schedule One factor of cannabis that says there's no medical value is complete and utterly false. And um, with that in mind, we've known for thousands of years that this is, is, is a medicine, you know, we're preaching to the choir at this point. So anybody who's unwilling to look is just, just that, unwilling, you know? And well, Brian, let me ask you something. Let me ask please, you please. something about, about the truth of, of all the way back to when, you know, you had the lumber barons and the paper barons and they were, they, they were you know, they were offering, you know, um, trees for everything, trees for paper, trees for rope, you know, tree, you know, for obviously for lumber. And you had other people that were using hemp and, and the cannabis plant in order to create paper. And they said, listen, you know, we can create entire crops of this. We don't have to cut down trees and we can create rope and paper from this. And those lumber barons came in and said, yeah, no, no. Um, the natives smoke this stuff and it makes them crazy. And these guys want to make paper and rope out of it. They did that to corner the market. They just kind of pushed that out, you know. And you think about what kind of world we would have lived in that if, if back then, if free market really existed and the best option for the human race and mankind would it be making paper out of a plant versus trees. Can you imagine how many trees would be left in this planet right now? I mean, can you imagine what the, what the landscape of this world would look like? How many years ago we would have been using cannabis and the application that we're just starting to really harnessed now like on a massive scale oh my god i mean that's it's just like it's all the way back then we're talking lumber barons right like not steel lumber barons being like no outlaw that get some money make it illegal and and uh we'll just give you paper from the trees it's so wasteful <laughs> like yep. oh my god dude what you people doing <laughs> You know, there's an episode in, in this season two of uh, Farms Not Farms podcast where I speak with Brigitte Mars talking about, um, you know, how we're, we're mowing, we're using gasoline to mow our lawns and, and we're using chemicals to kill weeds. And these weeds are more often than not incredibly nutritious vegetables like wild spinach and, and um, dandelion and we, so we're, we're mowing them and then we're driving, using gasoline again to drive to the store to buy vegetables that are not as nutritious anymore because they've been there for weeks and been traveling around the world probably from another country, right? More oil and gasoline to be put in plastic 
to then bring all the way back home to eat it when we're literally getting rid of the stuff that's grown natural in our backyard. And most people, you know, don't ever realize it. Let's just talk for myself. I didn't ever realize until I learned about um, bricks count and the nutrient density of a plant, how the plant is strong based on its cell walls, based on the nutrients that it's able to uptake. And that is... Um, indicated by this, the health of the soil and whether or not it, if the soil is healthy and there's a healthy um, mycelium, which is, which is a fungal uh, community, basically that allows the plant to take in its nutrients really well from the soil and plants actually communicate through that way as well. And so getting strong vegetables means that we're going to get the nutrients that we need because imagine seeing a vegetable that looks and smells like a vegetable, but it doesn't have the same nutrient count. Our body's working the same amount in order to break it down. And if we're not getting what we really need out of it, we're getting robbed of, of our energy. And we're not, you know, you, you, if you feed something that, uh, um, that needs nutrients, a lack of nutrients over time and making them work the same amount over time and over time and over time, it's going to develop weaker individuals. And so, that's that's happening to us you know and just being on the island of hawaii and eating live fruits all the time you feel alive you know these living enzymes yeah. you know talking about living soil and then talking about eating a plant that was just growing versus eating a plant that's a week old versus eating a plant that's a month old i'll tell you yeah. straight up from juicing vegetables you're gonna have great juice the first day less juice the second day and, you know, minimal juice the third day, if any, you know, and like, especially in cannabis leaves, where juicing is so beneficial, the second day you've lost half of your moisture count, if not more, in the leaf. And so you really have to do everything nice and fresh. And so when we're shopping for foods, when we're feeding ourselves and we want to be nice, strong candidates for life, you know, it's important that we're getting good nutrients. I just want to put that out there. Um, because I'm learning. That's what my father said, right? My, excuse me. My father used to, my father grew up, you know, um, during the Great Depression. And he had 11 brothers and sisters. My father died. And they had, they had to have a garden. So we always had a garden. And my father, I remember I, I, remember I bought a pair of Air Force Ones. It was just a long time ago. The first Airs, Nike Airs. paid $110 for them. And he looked at me and he's like, I ought to give you a smack. He's like, you paid $110 for those shoes? He said, you know what kind of food we could buy in this house? He goes, remember something. He goes, it's not what you put on your body, but in your body. It's going to make you who you are. He's like, they call it fast food because it kills you quick. He's like, if you want to live a long life and be healthy, make your meals at home. You have your own garden. You have your own chickens. You have your own livestock or whatever you want to eat. He goes, you grow it all. You care for it. You care for the soil. You care for everything around you. It's says, Brett, it's a, I agree with you 100%. I know Brian keeps a garden, too. I mean, he's the same way. He's part of that, you know, everywhere. You know, he wants to know because Brian really cares about the food he puts in his body because I've seen him. He, he doesn't put crap in his body. He eats good food, and he knows what good food is, and he cooks good food. Look at that long, flowing hair. Dude, he cook, yo, he cooks. He's a he's an excellent cook. You know, and, and you can get like some gourmet fixings at Brian's house. <laughs> you know, one of the one of the things that, that I learned recently was that during the Great Depression, 
and around that time, it's amazing you bring this up in this conversation, it, it was said that the rich people didn't want to look poor, so they had a monocrop of grass and they mowed it so they didn't look like they needed to have their own garden. And apparently the poor people needed to have their own garden and they weren't rich, so they had to feed themselves. And somehow that became the norm of like, you know, how to be civil in society or something like Unreal. that. And actually have some sort of like, you know, that, that's what everybody's doing in a development that in suburbia, you know, you drive through this country and you're seeing, you know, New Jersey popped up everywhere. You know, it's just yeah. constant shopping centers. This is yeah, the thing everywhere, you know, and that 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 shows us how how dependent we are as people on what we don't even realize. You know, we're dependent for our water now. We're dependent for our food now. We're not realizing our water quality. We're not realizing our food quality. We're dependent for so much more in areas of our life that we're giving up our freedoms in order to have um in order to have uh, convenience and, and, and really, you know, Brian, why do you, why do you grow your own food? Uh, it's healthier than what I would get in the store. And I just enjoy gardening so much. <laughs> That's basically it. That's and a blessing. Not everybody does enjoy gardening or has the time to do it. But if you know, if you, like you, you said, you, the first thing was it's healthy, healthier than what you can get in the store. What, what basis do you have for that? Because fresh comes right off the plant. I mean, I would come out in the morning. I mean, I don't have a garden this year, unfortunately. But um, usually I would I'd come out in the morning and I would be picking everything, you know, everything for the day. You know, and half the time, some stuff wouldn't even make, you know, I only have like uh, – a handful of string beans or something and they wouldn't even make it in the house. I eat them in the morning, you know, stuff like that. But, um, that's yeah, it's so it, great. Isn't it? Oh, eating your fresh right off. The, oh man. That's so good. So yeah. what, to you, what's the difference between eating a fresh, freshly grown vegetable or something that's not fresh in the store? The taste, taste number one right off and it's a lot healthier for you like you said you know there's the the longer it's off the tree before the plant or whatever the less nutrients it breaks down you know like you think it's basically it so in a, in a world where we're where we're feeding instant gratification i think you just provided some incentive right off the bat it tastes better yeah so if you want to find the best tasting version of whatever it is that you love, it, 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 it might, you know, so to speak that we can actually find that in something that is incredibly fresh. Now, how do we find that? What, what supermarket can we go to that guarantees us that this was picked this week or even last week? Very few, unless there's a local market that's working with local farmers. And there's definitely, you know, I don't know if you guys um, have in your area CSAs or local farms that allow the community yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And a lot yeah. of the and a lot of the big chain like market supermarkets here, like like you know, like quality ones, they're required to purchase a lot of local grown um, you know, stuff like that. You know, the, like locally grown vegetables and fruits and stuff. They had they, they're required to purchase a certain amount of it. Good. You know, a lot of the a lot of the vegetables that or some of the vegetables have or some of the farmers. Right. Let's just say almost all corn farmers in the country have contracts with Monsanto to grow certain kind of seed. And so they guaranteed to be able to sell it 
and they can't do anything with the seed. The seed is passed by Monsanto, and they, you know, so in that way, we're very, we have a very limited um, source of what we can get corn-wise. We have a very limited source of what we can get healthy vegetable-wise if a lot of these farms are on a pay-to-play um, system where they're playing and they're getting paid and they don't want to have to do anything else because the farming industry has been so, you know, de uh, destroyed. Let's just be honest. And so, yeah, um, so many farms now have been being uh, drowned in Roundup for so long. And the FDA and, and the FDA says, or the USDA says now that a farm only has to have three years of not being drenched in Roundup in order to be, or used on, with uh, on, uh approved pesticides in order to be deemed organic, which, you know, unbelievable. It, That's bad. It's, it's crazy. And, you know, so in that way, there's, there's a difference in organic certifications, it, you know, looking into something that's USDA organic. Great. You know, it's better than not. Grow your own food. I know my God was always organic. Yeah. So grow your own veggies, man. If you can get it, like there's a lot of places where you can have community gardens. You can, shared spaces you can bring your own soil in learn about soil learn about loom learn about composting learn about the nutrients in the soil and, and how to rotate it so the temperature doesn't spoil them learn how to create you know foster a good environment for those plants to grow whatever you're going to grow if, if you have the space this is what i told people this year if you have the space that you like chicken you like eggs you want to know the difference between eggs if you have chickens and they lay eggs and I go down to the chicken coop and I bring up five or six eggs and I make you those eggs. Yeah. You can never eat an egg that you buy in the store again. You're right. It's not the same thing. It is, you know, it's like everything is tainted. Everything is touched. Mm -hmm. It yeah, is just right. it's like something gross or something like Brett said that doesn't belong there. It's like scallops. Scallops. I have a friend that's a diver. And Brian, you can appreciate this because you love you love scallops like I love scallops. I have, love I, have a, I have a scallop guy too. Okay, so when when my buddy Mark Mark would call me, he'd be like, "Hey, I'm in Gloucester. I'm going diving. We're going to scallops. Uh, it's it's ten o'clock. I'll be home at my house by two o'clock. Those scallops have gone from the bottom of that ocean floor, plucked out, put in a bag, and they've been out of the water two hours by the time they hit my skillet." It's not, it's not the same thing. You can't, it's like, once you eat that, there's no going back. There's, right. there's no going back. It's like, no, that's, that's gross. You can it's taste like, the freshness. It's like freshly shucked oysters or freshly shucked clams. Ah. Like out here you go and you go clamming or you go, you know, you, you pull up three in the rake, you throw two in the bucket and eat one. You always yeah, carry you a knife. Right there. Yeah, you always carry a knife and a bottle of hot sauce in your pocket. <laughs> that's my buddy mark he eats them on the way up when he's yep. ascending from his dive he just scoops out the scallops and eats them on the way up wow. and it's like that's wow crazy. dude that's that's unbelievable you know <laughs> Woo. you gotta yep. people gotta learn how to if you can if you have the space well you see them more and more now too after the last years you're seeing a lot more people are they have a desire to move to a place where they have space and a parcel of land yep. right People are looking to even get something small. They don't care if it's a quarter acre or a half acre, something. More and more people are kind of becoming more conscientious about this space and this opportunity to utilize this space. You know, I, oh, I, we grew up with a garden. It was a family affair. And everybody in my father's family, all their kids 
still have gardens. Every like like every, everybody, we, we we would boil we would boil tomatoes in the fall. We'd pick them in bushel baskets. We'd boil them, peel the skin, and we'd jar them. And yep. we'd have fresh tomatoes all winter. You know, it's like you can't once you've eaten that way, and then you have this ability to sense and taste what food does to you. I mean, I can literally look at my life and my health and my weight and everything from the time where I discovered food outside of my house and how everything changed, my diet, my looks, my health, everything. Like when I was living at home from, as a kid, eating that fresh food, because like you, Brian, I would go outside with my dad and he had salt and pepper in a shaker that he had for <laughs> World War II. And we would go out, we would pick weeds, and he had it all mixed up, black pepper and salt in a shaker, a big shaker. And we would go out, we would pick weeds. He'd be like, you hungry? I'm like, yeah. He's like, go over there, grab two tomatoes, grab a couple cucumbers, and grab a pepper. And he, he, had, a piece of, he had a piece of maple. And we'd wash them off right there in the garden, and we'd eat right there. It's an yep. entirely different experience. You know, it is. It's literally, it's like it's still alive. It's like the fruit and vegetables are still alive when you eat them. Yep. Yep. You're right. You're right. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at people that eat that way and you can look in their eye and look at their skin and you can look at the way they breathe and the way they walk and the, and the how you can look at them and you, they just, if, they, if you don't look like that, then you need to try to eat like that because that's what happens when, you know, but it becomes, it almost becomes for rich people, right? Brett, like what you were saying back in the depression, how like rich people would like, you know, mow their lawns so they didn't look like they needed a garden and the poor people did it. Well, before that, fat guys were in. All the all the pretty girls chased fat guys because they had bellies and that meant that they were eating, right? And if you were skinny, you were broke. But then you, you, you look you look at you look at like the, those generations and, and how like how that all switched and changed when you got to like the fifties and sixties where they go to sort of like T V dinners and everything else and it all just kind of it switched around and now it's like back then people didn't have access to all this fancy food and all this stuff or vacations. So like if you were physically fit and you were a, like a strong buff guy, it was probably because you had to work manual labor and you were outside all day and you didn't have a lot of money, you know, and then it shifted. And now all of a sudden when you see someone that's suntanned and in really great shape, most of the time driving a nice car, it's because they're very wealthy, and now the people that have less money are tend to be the people that are obese or have diabetes or people that are unhealthy. It's like that paradigm just flipped. You know what I mean? So it's like now the poor people are overweight and, 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 uh, and have all these diseases, and the rich people are getting organic vegetables grown in your backyard, right? Because I know people like that have money like that that pay small farms to bring them all their produce yeah grow your own vegetables if you can man grow your own veggies if you can brett brett you said hawaii the fruits out there are entirely different it's like jamaica it was like when i was in jamaica and i had guava and i had oranges and, and all those things down there it was i've never tasted fruit like that before right. in my life you're, you're right not, not the same you're 100 right <laughs> Yeah, not there's no the way that you could have a fruit and not be drenched in juice by, by no. time. You know, it's like oh, it's finding good. an orange in the store right now that's drenching you in juice when you open it up. You're just going to peel it off and then you're going to go yeah. into it. You 
know? It's a different experience, dude. It's really it's not, that, that That whole area, like, I can't even imagine what it's like out on the islands with all that volcanic soil and all constantly replenishing the nutrients in itself. It's I can't amazing. even imagine what that's like. Oh, my God, you, that must be. Just, just for our viewers, if you want to learn more about soil or you're interested in growing your own uh, foods or, or cannabis or, you know, if it's legal in your area for liability purposes, I just want to say check out buildthesoil.com and uh, definitely check out Build the Soil's YouTube because they, they have so many resources, so many uh, organic amendments that you can use and, and learn about and, um, and videos for you to learn from. Buildthesoil.com, huge resource for organic growers and, um, you know, just, just want people to feel empowered. We're sovereign beings. You know, we, we have the ability to respond to our abilities, and that means being responsible and taking care of ourselves and perhaps sharing our abundance with others. And, you know, one of the things is uh, in, in Torah is leaving the edges of the crops of the fields for the poor, you know? And that means growing a crop. And that means taking care of your family, taking care of yourself, and then taking care of your community as well. And that way we have harmony. And, what, and, and whatever you believe in out there, you know, if we can agree on the fact that if you need help and somebody helps you, you're in a better place, then we can agree that we all share that. And in that way, care makes our world a better place. And so opening up this window into, you know, how we're caring for ourselves and each other is really um, a true gem for me to be a part of and, and to present and to just, you know, to know exists. So thank you guys for, um, for being willing to come on here and share your story. And, you know, Brian, I want to ask you a question. What's up? Um, you know, it's possible that everybody who... Um, cooks a grilled cheese does it in their own way everybody who makes coffee does it in their own little way there's also the thing where a lot of people do it the same way you know um, in your experience of growing cannabis in your experience of working with cannabis in your experience of making oil and working with cannabis oil what are some of the key factors that you pay attention to for people out here if they want to do some little things to just keep in mind. Um, you mean like making the oil? I mean, anything about growing it, making it, um, qualifying it, anything at all that, you know, when you're, when you're going through your processes, you might be like, man, I really wish people knew this, you know? Um, I really lost you there. Oh, sorry. There you are. Okay. Um, my all right like i kind of lost you there for a minute um can you kind of repeat that i'm sorry my pleasure my pleasure so you're an experienced cannabis grower yes yes you're an experienced cannabis oil maker yes you're experienced with working with people who apply cannabis to their life-threatening situations right yes some of the things you pay attention to some of the ways that you qualify your cannabis in terms of how you grow it, how you make it, or how or what somebody might pay attention to when taking oil are, might be different than the person out there who hasn't ever done it before. So what, what, you know, as you're doing these things in your life, 
there has to be at some points you, you might, you know, I know for me, I'm like, man, I really wish somebody knew this when I'm working with the plant or really wish somebody knew this when I'm making oil or when I'm taking oil or looking at somebody's oil to see if it's actually like something I would ever use, you know, is there anything that comes to mind for you that you feel you could share? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I try to pay attention to their needs, um, you know, if they're inexperienced with taking cannabis in any way. So if they're not, you know, I have to guide them, you know, you take this much, take this much, then take this much, then if they have like stomach ache with it, I, I recommend something like a cinnamon bark oil I'll make, you know, to go along with it. Um, I just pay attention to their needs and you know, if they need a high dose of THC, I try to make, you know, as high as I can with the, with the material I have. And if they need a high CBD, then I, you know, I seek out a CBD plant or CBD oil or whatever it may be. I just try to focus on their needs and guide them along their journey, so to speak. Okay. So when you're growing cannabis because yep. you're using it more and uh, I mean you you know for whatever reason you're using it for you're also using it for making medicine so when you're growing your cannabis what what are the some of the things that you pay attention to um what strain. don't you want do I what don't you want when you're using cannabis uh, oh what don't I want I don't want something that is um uh, going to be a small producer I need to get you know something that's high quality high THC um High, high in just like all the cannabinoids that's going to be helpful to them. I pay attention to that. I pay attention to my soil, um, you know, pH levels of soil, pH levels of water. Um, you know, I, I just, I check the plants constantly, like two, three times a day. You know, when I'm down there, I'm underneath them. I'm just making sure everything is clean, especially, you know, there's no bugs, no nothing. You know, I don't use any pesticides, nothing. If, something happened the crop would be destroyed so, so wanna... you're saying you don't use any pesticides and if there was some sort of compromise with the health integrity of your plant you might even consider destroying it. yes why um i don't want to compromise anybody like if somebody has some, like a compromised immune system and they get something that has mold in it i mean that would probably affect them so you know i i rarely hear anybody saying these kinds of things i i um and and so i, I have to salute you you know because i share the sentiment that if something is not good enough for me to give to my grandmother or myself that i would never give it to anybody else and that exactly. means that i have the utmost respect for what i'm working with because life is is uh you know we're not doctors are you a doctor not at all not at all. So in that way, somebody's relying on what I would do for myself. And if they and if I'm able to share that, you know, I can say, here's here's what I would do and here's how I would take it. And somebody has the ability to take it however they want to do whatever they want. And in that way, you know, treat themselves just like I would treat myself. And, and I might consult somebody who's experienced, maybe even a doctor and ask for their consultation to understand what they know about a situation or an ailment so that I could determine how best to take care of myself. And, right. you know, um, I, when, let me, let me ask you this, when you're making oil, yep. what are some of the things that you pay attention to that you think uh, are important for people to, to keep in mind? 
when I'm making it. Um, are there any chemical? Are there any ingredients that you would never use that some people have used? Are there any? Are there any things that you would want people to keep in mind? You know, I have a video at sevenEasysteps.org, the number sevenEasysteps.org, that shows people how to make cannabis oil in seven right. easy steps. So you might have uh, just an area of focus. You might say, you know, I, I like doing this when I make oil, and that might help somebody level up just the same. So I figured I'd give you an opportunity. Yeah. Um, I try to use the highest possible alcohol, either ethanol or, you know, like out here, I'm not able, they won't ship ethanol to me out here. So um, I have to use Everclear, which mm -hmm. is readily available to me, no problem, right down the street at the liquor store. So somebody, if you, you try to use the highest possible alcohol, you can get it as cold as you can, get your material as cold as you can. And, uh, you know, you go from there, you mix it and strain it as best as you can. You got to filter it. Um, you don't want like all the sludge that's at the bottom. You want to filter it as best as you can, get that all out and make sure you get all the alcohol out when you cook it down. And, uh, yeah. That's, do, you use that's, filter? do you use a coffee filter? Do you use a lab filter? <clears throat> I actually was using bubble bags to strain everything out. And, uh, that works very, very well. I was doing that for a while too. It's good because the, the material can flow right in and it yep. doesn't, you know, yeah, it, it works very well. I, I'm, I'm like old school, you know, so I kind of like I've been doing the same process since I started doing it, you know, and it, the way I look at it is if it's not broke. If it's not broke, don't fix it for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah, you know, every, everybody still that I make it for, they still tell me, yeah, it's you're doing a great job. So, I mean, I still have people that contact me all the time can you you know my sister this or my uncle that or my dog i've helped a lot of pets so you know it's it's rewarding it's rewarding when you can help somebody like darren and they you know you become friends with them like you know family it's it's great you know I, i've been happened a lot you know with a lot of different people i've helped a lot of people and these people are like family and, it, and it's great you know i try to help I try to help whoever I can, if I can, if I'm, if I'm able to, I will help them. Well, thank you. You know? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Thank you both. I can't say that enough, really. Like, like, it's like, it's just, it's just like, it's, it's, un, it's unbelievable. And look, you know, something I want to say is that, you know, I'm a sober guy, right? Like I've been sober over 20 years, no alcohol, no drugs. So, you know, like, when I was going to take this, it was important that I get something that wouldn't augment my reality. You know what I mean? And so it, it had, you know, I didn't want psychotropic compounds in it because it's, it's something that's important to me, maintaining my sobriety. So if you're a sober person out there and, and, you know, you need medicine, you know, whatever your channels are that you go through, if there's somebody that you talk to about the proper use of it, but just know that, Stuff like RSO oil and, and CBD oil, it doesn't have those compounds in it. You're not, it's, it, it's not, it didn't break my sobriety to take that oil because number one, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't using it to get blasted. I wasn't looking for that. I was looking for the medicinal purpose of that product. And it, that, that changed that. That's something that's really important for people out there that like, cause you know, for me, that was like my biggest hangup, right? That was like my biggest hang up into going into this when I spoke to DL, when I spoke to Brent, when I spoke, when I spoke to Brian, I'm like, look, I'm a sober guy. 
I can't, I don't want to get high. I don't want to change my reality. Number one, because my sobriety is very important to me. And number two, I can't handle that. You know what I mean? Like I haven't done any partying in 20 years with any kind of substance. So I'm the guy like if, if I have an ache or a pain and I take an Advil, it works. You know what I mean? Even at 6'2", 275 pounds, I can take two Advil and they really work. So like I'm hypersensitive to anything. So people that are out there that are, you know, that are sober people that are, you know, maybe on the fence about looking to get some kind of help like this. Um, there are means through cannabis that you can get help and not get high. You know what I mean? That's, you know, and, and there, but there are people that even if you are sober, if you're taking pain pills, you may want to consider an alternative like this, you know, something else I just want to mention really briefly before, before we wrap up is that not only did Brian help me, but my friend George, may he rest in peace, was very sick. He had a, he had a rare, rare testicular cancer, and, it, and they initially thought it was going to fix him. They could cure him, and it, it turned out that it wasn't. Um, but George hooked up with Brian, and Brian cared for George like you would not believe. And that meant a lot to me. And when George was really sick, and George was coming to the end of his life, Brian was in that room and Brian drove an hour, three or four times a week to come and see George and bring George edibles and bring George oil and bring George, whatever he wanted. And that's, this is the kind of people that you're going to meet in this community. Okay. People that care about the existence of human life and about helping somebody else. And, and, you know, they, they ask you what the definition of humility is. The definition of humility, I was told, was, okay, today when you leave here, go do something nice for three, three, three different people. And I'm like, well, that's okay. That's easy. I can do that. Say, Don't tell anybody you did it. That's the kind of people that are in this community. They do stuff, and they do it because they want to help people. They care about life. They care about other humans. They care about people living a better life and achieving a better life. Their gratification comes from that selfless caring mechanism that emotion that presence of of something greater than them that lives inside of them and i watched brian care for my friend george who became his friend george who he didn't know and he did it and when george died he felt as much pain as the rest of us but he was there right until the end caring for george you know and that's the kind of stuff that goes on here look this this these networks People like you guys, um, it's, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming to somebody on the outside that doesn't know the type of support that goes through these communities and the people that are in here, um, a lot of really beautiful people in here, man. So that's really important. I, I love you, Brian. I know, you know, we, we never, we never forget that, man. That's, that's really going to make me, I'm going to cry now. I don't want to cry now, but you know, it makes me want to cry, you know, yeah. it's, it's not, it does. You know, it's not I just my too, life. Brother. I watch. Yeah, yeah. You're 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 a really important person to both of you guys. Really important to me. Yeah, we got we got to go, we got to get together and go out and do another Italian day. Let's do an Italian day. Yeah, I'll save up my cheat day. We'll do some fishing and then we'll go do an Italian day. Sounds great. Yeah. Well, one of these days I'll have to join you all. We'll get on the water. Bring your ass out here. Let's go, man. We have a good time. We, we know how to catch fish. 
I'm a catch and release fisherman. I fish freshwater, so um, I, I release all the fish I catch. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, it's it's been a pleasure talking with you, O'Brien. I want to ask you one more thing. When you're making oil for patients, yeah. Uh, let's just say this: when you're making oil, right? Yeah. Um, do you make oil just out of any old cannabis strains, or do you are you mindful about which strains you're picking and why? If I can be uh, mindful about the strain, I am. But if somebody's just donating material to me to make it, then it that's it is what it is. But I always get it tested, so everybody knows. I you know I can show everybody the test results. So anybody wants to know, this is what's in your medicine right here. So, so if you if you if if somebody comes to you, you know obviously every every illness is different and every person is different. But if you had your choice on what kind of oil you can make more often than not, what kind of strains would you be using? You don't even necessarily have to name strains, but like, yeah. well, it, it's always, the, it depends because I've had people come to me that have told me, look, um, you know, I have this. Can you help me? Okay. Well, I'm going to give you some, but it's probably going to knock you out. Well, can do you have anything, you know, that can keep me awake during the day for work and then something for a night to sleep. And, you know, I, I will be mindful about that. Try to get them a sativa for daytime, try to get them the indigo for nighttime. But, um, I mean, I do the best I can with what I have, you know, at this point right now, you know, after just moving back from Maine, we're just, you know, starting up again. So absolutely, you know, just got to, I I use whatever I can, but I'm always mindful if I can be. And generally in theory, I guess one of the reasons I'm asking this question is because for me, I like to use strains that are not going to make somebody too racy in the head and too paranoid. And then at the same time, you know, there are a lot of people that, that want to be able to have the experience that let's say they learn from the Rick Simpson story or run from the cure uh, movie. And they say they want an indica based oil. And at the same time they say, but I have a, a job to do and I have to work. And I'm like, okay, same thing as you, you know, we want to be able to function during the day. We want to be able to get ready to do at night and then go back and have this cycle of actually benefiting from what we're doing rather than just trying to feed our ego or feed some, like allow us to exist in the matrix when we're trying to save our life. So, you know, that I see a lot of people um, doing, you know, the dance to, 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 to make it work, you know, because many of us have a job or a family or a career or whatever it is. And, um, you know, obviously, um, like Darren said, it's, it's possible to utilize something, in this case, Rick Simpson kind of oil, full extract cannabis oil. You know, Rick Simpson says if he didn't make it, it's not Rick Simpson oil. But people know that full extract cannabis oil with, with that term RSO. So just, just a little bit of background right there. Um, to, to utilize that oil that will, is very high in THC generally and yep. um, will get you high. There are ways to use that in um, a functional existence for even somebody that generally that, that is sober 20 plus years and, and, and has no interest in being, you know, um, a, a user or, or an active addict, um, you know, that you are able to benefit from it as well. And I think that that's, that's an amazing point that you touched on because a lot of people out here are suffering and don't want to cross the line and, and, and test their limits with, with, you know, some people have had issues with cannabis even 
And um, I know for me, when I did it with more of a life issue, I was running from life and I was using this medicine as a tool to, to hide, you know, or to mask what was really going on. And, um, you know, these days I'm, I'm communing with it in a different way. And, you know, I still find myself using it more often than perhaps sometimes I need to and figuring out the balance of how, to, how much CBD do I take? How much, how, where's my diet at today? You know, and how how well my water intake, and where's my balance? Because I'm constantly in this in this balancing dance of feeling great and enhancing my my ability to function better. And then there's times where I need to be out of pain, or find relief, or or help somebody else um, guide themselves to their own relief. And so in that way, like Brian said, you might need this in the morning, that in the night, and and having options for that is important. Not everybody has that kind of access. So sometimes we we're subjected to only what's available. And in that way, it's more often than not better than nothing. I knew a woman that came to this country to get CBD for her son who had seizures for 12 years and she ended up getting THC oil and it worked. And, you know, she had no idea that THC oil can help stop seizures. And, you know, and, and, and so many people have, have uh, this, this, this template of what's going to work and I'm only going to seek that. And because I heard that work for somebody else and I just want to, you know, support trial and error for each and every one of us, because, you know, it's important that we go through the campaign to find out what works best for us um, in a good way. And, you know, so that might mean starting slow and low and, and titrating up to a bigger dose to find out where that is. It might mean finding somebody who knows a little more than you, who might be able to guide you, back to yourself, you know? Right. And um, there are people like Brian and me who exist in the world that, that, um, that are out here and that are willing to care, willing to at least put their minds towards, towards benefiting uh, where you're at. So Brian, if, if anybody ever wants to get in touch with you, are you willing to, to allow people to do so? And if yes. so, how can they do that? Hey, um, you can just contact me. Um through my company, Cushville Creations. Um, at yahoo.com. Cushville Creations at yahoo.com. Yes. And uh, spelled K-U-S-H-V-I-L-L-E creations at yahoo.com? Yes. Sweet. And uh, Darren, if there's anybody who ever has some sort of, uh, you know, need to speak to somebody like you, who went through a health scenario that needs a light in the tunnel. Are you interested in putting your information out there for anybody to contact you? Absolutely. You, you can hit me on, uh, on any of the socials. You can hit me uh, at XL Boston on Twitter. You can hit me at XL Boston on Instagram. You can hit, you know, hit me on XL the beast on uh, Facebook and you can just, you know, hit me in the DM, you know, let me know that, you know, you're, you're interested to get some information about, you know, my, my process and, you know, what took place for me. And I would be more than happy to set time aside to help anybody that has any of those questions. Yep. Thank you very much. Um, <clears throat> is there anything at all that, that uh, you guys feel would like to share, you know, just uh, in, in, in closing, you know, anything that's coming to mind, you think people ought to at least think about? Kill yourself. Like, like, like it says, farms, not farm, farms, not farms, right? Hello? Yes, sir. Yeah. Sorry, I lost you there for a minute. Yeah. Like, 
like I said, heal yourself. Farms, not farms. For sure. Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, and take time. Take time, you know, be good to yourself, you know. And, and you know, when, you, when you're good to yourself, you know, that becomes contagious. You can be good to other people. Don't be so busy to be in the rat race that you neglect the most important part of what's going on. And that's who you are, you know, physically, mentally, and spiritually. Find ways to, to heal your body and your mind and, and get yourself in a place. You know, we get so busy just running the race every day. I got to make this amount of money. I got to get this deadline. I got this, I got this, I got this. And you can manifest and create, <clears throat> excuse me, a million reasons why you're neglecting the things that are important. You got to take care of your health, you know, in all those three phases. And when you do that, you know, you're going to, in my opinion, you be being good to yourself. If you want to be good to others, you got to stop by being good to yourself. You know, so take good care of yourself. Be mindful of what you put into your body, you know, and, and, um, and see how that works for you, you know. There's, there are other ways out here. You know, commit, commit a random act of kindness, you know. Help somebody if you can. Oh, man. Feels good. You know, one of the things you said earlier was that um, it took you, you know, feeling the relief to know it existed, to know that that's really what you wanted. And... It seems as though like when we're in the mix, you know, that we not not like it's very few things can be said to us to change the, what we're doing. And so in that way, it's like we have to really experience it and feel it to know we want it. To, you know, we have to know it exists to know it's possible. And so I just um, I also say, you know, I feel called to share that it, we're worth trying something new and we're worth we're worth the effort it takes to put the self-care in to feel a quality of life that's worth living and that's worth sharing. And it, it really is here, you know, and, and we can reveal uh, a heavenly way of existing through what we're consuming and how we're consuming it, how we're breathing, what we're eating, how we're talking, how we share, interact with each other. It all matters. You know, if I'm going to yell at you, I'm going to walk away feeling like shit too, because that's just the impact of that kind of stress. And so if I'm going to tell you, I love you, we're going to walk, I'm going to walk away feeling the love and you might as well. If you were learned, if you were taught a tainted version of love, then that word might not have the same relevance as to what it does for me though. True love. I don't, I don't feel like true love can can be spoiled. And so I, I think it's important that if there's no, if we see no love, and we want love. When we give love, there is now love. And so, you know, only you will love what you love the way you love it. And that's what I believe your magic is in, in our world. So if you want more love, be in your love and, 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 and be in your joy. And that and it's inspiring. You we light up, you know, you see somebody in their joy. And those of us who are more vulnerable might feel some sort of way about it. And those of us who who want to feel joy too are inspired by that and say, I want to do that too. And so, you know, wherever we're at on our journey, just know it's okay to be gentle with yourself and that you're worth everything. And thank you guys. And, um, you know, keep up the great work in every way you can, you know, we're, we're all just human beings, just doing the best we can as, as best as we can do it with, with gentle reminders from each other to be, to be, you know, just be even better. And um, with that, 
once again, shout out buildthesoil.com. Definitely check them out. They're a great resource if you want to learn how to grow your own food or places to get um, soil or just learn more about that. And um, subscribe to the Farms Not Farms podcast on Spotify and Apple Music. And we're looking to be on more platforms as well. Also, all, check out all archived episodes of farmsnotfarms.org. And as always, we'll end the episode with uh, sharing the miracle of life taking a deep breath on the count of three. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Y'all too. Continue enjoying this day. We get to be alive. Most people throughout history are dead. <laughs> You're right. We're the chosen ones right now. Let's make this happen. Bless Let's up, y'all. Bless. You're right. Thanks so, out. Yeah. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Farms Not Farms podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Healer. If you want to watch the full episode plus behind-the-scenes footage, check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com/burntmd. And subscribe to the Farms Not Farms podcast on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, buildasoil.com, for all of your organic soil amendment needs. As always, be well.